Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It's Thursday, December 6, 2007. Happy holidays. The season of joy and love are here, a time for giving to yourself and to others. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation, both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. Thank you so much for joining the show tonight, wherever you may be listening, somewhere in the globe. I am a metaphysician, clairvoyant, and clairaudient intuitive, a healer, author, lecturer, and spiritual teacher. I'm honored to have on the show tonight the Emmy Award-winning skeptic, Jennifer Weigall. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. It's, it's an honor to have you here. So your impressive resume includes an Emmy for your broadcasting in Chicago. You currently run JCW Productions, where you create segments for Hallmark Channel series New Morning. Your broadcasting career started in radio, where you were teamed up as a sidekick for various radio personalities, including Steve Cochran and movie critic Richard Roper. You then evolved into television for the next six years, While at your CBS affiliate in Chicago, as an anchor and reporter, you were honored with that award for your on-camera reporting. You also hosted a few AM talk radio shows throughout your past. Additionally, you travel across the country speaking to women's groups, schools, the media about ethics and journalism, and encouraging people to follow their dreams. Your writing has appeared throughout Chicago, Chicago's publications, including the Chicago Tribune, Chicago Sun-Times, as well as today's Chicago Women, where you were an entertainment columnist for two years. Jennifer is also an accomplished singer and performer, including the national anthem at both Wrigley Field and Comiskey Park. Jennifer's recent book release is Stay Tuned. The Lighthearted Journey with Jennifer as she explores her inner spiritual self through interviews with some of today's most famous spiritual gurus and the loss of her beloved role model and father, offering her opportunities of transformation and to know her higher self. So tell us about your journey, Jennifer. <laughs> oh, Dalton, where do I begin? You know, as somebody yourself who decided to go left instead of right. You know, anytime you take a leap uh, because your gut inside tells you that's what feels right, your uh, ego mind turns on and puts doubts in your head, and it makes it really, really hard to kind of know which way is the right way. And, and you know, my journey, I did a lot of things, I think, to um, – please my dad I was in broadcasting and so was my father here in Chicago and I think a lot of people are looking for some sort of parental approval right or wrong it just seems to be you know whether it's your mom your dad or your your role model and I think for myself I I made some choices for my career for the wrong reasons uh, to please my dad instead of to please myself so when I found myself without my father because I lost him to brain cancer um, I saw a side to him that really opened my eyes. And he, I think, um, for the first time in his life, embraced the possibilities that there's more to life than just, you know, making a salary and getting a nice house. You know, it really sort of hit him that um, that love is all there is. And, and it was really, really quite a journey for me to watch him transform, which then I think by um, – just watching him do that, it, it rubbed off on me, of course, and then I then had the courage to make some decisions for myself that uh, I've always wanted to do. It's a very, very scary experience, but I took the leap and the net followed, as they say, and uh, it has worked out, but it's been very, very scary. And then also not having my dad around, I missed that conversation so much that I wanted to continue it, so I decided to go and interview a bunch of different mediums, psychics, healers, people who claim that they can speak to the other side and uh, got as much research as I could on that to continue that conversation. So that's in the book as well. So it's kind of a a mishmash, a combo platter, as I like to say. (laughs) Yes, yes. I find that you did a phenomenal job really creating a continuum of the human emotion expression. So you were just able to show us how to be in pure joy and how to be in pure terror at the leap of faith and changing jobs Mm -hmm. and how to 
how to humble yourself when you were ducking below in the funeral trying to get around that back door. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that was such a real experience for me. I mean, I really was crawling on a floor behind a synagogue in the freezing cold in a suit. And it was it was a very low point, but at the same time, you know, there's so much going on in my life. At the time, I just found out I was going to be losing my job. I'm at a funeral for a colleague, and I'm trying to make it downtown for an interview with Harold Ramis, and all these things are coming at me at once, and I'm trying to sneak out of this funeral so that I can get to my interview and trying to do it gracefully, and everything gets in my way. And it was funny because that chapter almost didn't make the book because my uh, editor said, look, it, this is interesting and all, but I don't know where it's taking the reader. And, of course, I hadn't given him all of the chapters yet, like when my father then died and I'm at the funeral as the daughter of the person who passed away versus just a reporter trying to sneak out on notice. So it did kind of go full circle, and I'm so, so glad I fought to keep that chapter in because chapter two, the one where I'm in the funeral and trying to sneak away, is the one that most people come to me and say, that was my favorite chapter. (laughs) Yes, yes, the humor in the situation, it was not necessarily a light situation, but you created and painted that it was so light and you were so human throughout the process of it. It was just really, really relatable for most people. We've been in those moments where we look at ourselves and think, wow, how did I quite get myself in this predicament? (laughs) Yes, and, you know, that's the thing you say, it's so human, and we are all human you know even the people that we look up to the most have days where they wake up on the wrong side of the bed and they wonder what they're doing with their life i'm sorry you know oprah george clooney all these we're all human no matter what you do for a living or how successful you might be or think you are when it comes down to it that's why one of the things that i um that really touched me in the book was when um the homeless person I, I i there was this homeless person out in yeah. front of where i worked and he was there every day and i would always give him a dollar and when i decide i'm going to go ahead and take the leap and quit my high paying gig as a reporter um i decide i want to go out with a bang and give this homeless man a 20 instead of the single that i had always given him and and he acted so gracious and so thankful and and i said just remember my name all i ask is that you remember my name my name is jennifer can you remember that And he said of course of course oh my goodness so i think it was like an hour later when i was quitting and leaving he had completely forgotten the exchange and i was devastated it's like i'm screaming at this man while i'm holding my box full of belongings you know don't you remember me (laughs) i just gave you 20 (laughs) dollars yes Yes, it was so profound for you. The chapter mm-hmm. is na- is titled "Remember My Name." Yes, and I and that's not what it's about. It's not about giving with conditions. It's about giving, and then whatever happens with it, just know you gave it from the truth in your heart, but not with the condition that they spend it on A, B, C, or D. And that's what I think so many of us do in our daily life. I know I was guilty of it. That's why I put it in the book. I have many relatives who are guilty of it. They give you a present or leave the price tag on because they want you to know how much they spent on you or ask you, where's that ring I got you? Or why don't you ever wear that necklace or those pants? And you know, then you're giving and it's no longer freeing. It's it's restricting and, and it's, oh, it's, it's and I'm, it was an amazing lesson for me to just uh, have that humbling experience. Yes, and I've learned that myself in a similar predicament in the Bay Area. It's like I learned that I was not to be attached to the outcome of my service effort. Mm-hmm. And I learned it through these kitties had, that had been abandoned all along the Bay after the crash of Silicon Valley. Oh. People were abandoning their cats all along the um, you know, the rocks there, and there were hundreds, oh. and beautiful Persians, and, oh. you know, Himalayans, and Siamese, and, and my heart just reached out, and so I would go feed them every day, and, and I would get, started to get, like, you know, possessive as to which cat would eat, mm-hmm. and and I, and I thought, you know, there's a lesson in this, you need to humble yourself and look at, why are you here, because you want to give, okay, well, if you're giving, then whoever gets the food is who truly needs it. Right. So therefore, let go of the attachment to the outcome and trust the higher good of all will come in through spirit and, and it will be good, a win-win situation. Absolutely. And, and that was so humbling for me and it's been a continual lesson. It you know, pops up over and over and it just reminds me through this spiritual creative process to really focus on giving love and being in the moment of now 
mm-hmm. and not being so attached to the outcome that that naturally my mind would like to focus on. You know, it's interesting. I just uh, was blessed to encounter Marianne Williamson uh, the other day, oh. author of Return to Love and everything. I was I was being interviewed inside uh, inside Oprah Radio, inside Harpo, and I was uh, I wasn't there for Marianne's show. I was there for Dr. Jean Chatsky, who uh, does financial stuff for Oprah, and and she was also in the news business like myself. Her father was a broadcaster like mine, so we bonded right away, and and we we're having this conversation, and um and and. I have to say, I was I was thinking to myself, like, you know what, she is just, she could be a woman on the street just because she has this title and this job and whatever. She, you know, it doesn't make her any greater than me or me any greater than her. Or, you know, we're all in this together and this mission to spread, you know, positive information. And she said, you know, I'm sitting here talking to you, Jennifer, about your book and what does it have to do with money? Because normally she's a money specialist. And she said, but it's not really about that. It's about you know, anybody who has a spending problem and anybody who, you know, has a credit rating issue and and they can't control this or that, it's because something's not whole inside. It's the same with a weight problem or, you know, a marital problem or, you know, you're not listening to your soul, you're not listening to your spirit. You know, there's a wound that hasn't been healed and that that comes with every element in our life. And and I was saying, well, I had just read Marianne Williamson's latest book, which is about a gift of change. And I didn't know that Marianne was coming into the studio after we were talking. And I, and I said there was a part in that that really touched me that she said, look, the moment that you try to control a situation and reach out and make your presence felt and move forward on something and try to try to hurry something up or whatever, the moment you do that, you think you're smarter than God or spirit or whatever, and you're totally detaching yourself from the source the moment you try to push. And I thought, whoa, that was intense. And then to be able to, you know, say hello and all those things, that was really, really, really exciting to me. But I had just read that in her book, and then she came in on the heels of our conversation. It was one of those neat kind of cosmic moments. Yeah. Yes, such a divine synchronicity. Yeah. And it was such a loving message for you. Mm -hmm. And and that's something that I, I try to take with me, and I try to tell everybody, because my brother is, it's really wonderful, all the people in our lives, reflect back on things that, you know, we need to work on. And I watch my brother, and he's in broadcasting as well. We were all cursed with this broadcasting thing. And <laughs> he um, he is going to be starting a job with CNN. And But before he had heard, he was so upset that he hadn't heard because he had gone there and interviewed and tested with them and had done other interviews. But he's just calling his agent like every 10 minutes. Have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard? And I know it's because he wanted the good news, and I understand that. I've been there a million times. But I said, Ray, for calling your agent isn't going to make the outcome any faster. Don't you think as soon as your agent hears, he will call you? And he said, well, then my agent should be calling them. My agent should be calling them. And I just wanted to tell him, I just wanted to sit his butt in a chair and make him ground his energy and breathe into his heart and do all these things. (laughs) Because I just, my heart broke for that wounded little child of, look at me, am I okay, am I okay, I need to know that I'm okay. And And it leads me right back into that story where you were crawling out of the funeral and you said to your colleagues, don't worry, I have something up my sleeve, which you really didn't quite yet. No. I mean, you you were really manifesting, and then within days you were offered to work with Richard Roper with entertainment. Yeah, yeah, it was just been familiarized with. So it was like you said, you could do it sleepwalking, right? Which gave you some confidence and the opportunity to really show yourself. Wow, I can manifest. Exactly, I can manifest, and that's that's what's so interesting because after I did those interviews, oh gosh, with over at Heart, was that just yesterday? That was just yesterday when I was over there, and what happened was the producer of the show called me at home and he said, because I really wanted to do what you're doing. I feel you're so blessed to be doing what you're doing, and I used to here in Chicago as well, but a new boss came in. It seems to be the story of my life. A new boss comes in and they change the format, and then they, you know, my message is very much about following your instincts. And in this day and age, people want to talk politics and everything that's wrong in the world. So um, the radio that I was doing that I was proud of is no longer an option, at least not yet here in Chicago. I'm hoping that it becomes reality soon. But after I did my interviews yesterday, one of the producers called 
my friend and said, you know, why doesn't Jennifer have a show? Because she was really natural on the air. And he said, well, she did for a long, long time. And then she had a baby and then she came back and, you know, don't worry, something will pop. And I said to him yesterday, I said, no, I've, I've already called it in. It's going to happen. I, I'm I'm sure of it. And mm-hmm. then just this afternoon, I was talking with somebody and she said, would you join our network? You know, we've been, you know, pounding away what you're doing like for four years. And we'd love it if you joined our team. It was I mean, it was just so amazing how quickly the turnaround happened. It came happened. right in. It came right in. <laughs> yeah, Isn't that neat? It and is. it's like in the beginning of your in, of your book, Stay Tuned, it seemed as if, you know, you would present as if it felt like it was eternity mm-hmm. between the manifestation and the actual physicality of that answer that you would need to right. get your next step. And mm-hmm. then now it's at the point where you can bring it in, and it's almost instantaneous. And, you know, it's funny because time is such a, you know, time and space, it's all irrelevant, but it's so real here in this continuum. But, you know, in, in the bigger picture, it doesn't make a difference. But for somebody in the media, that it's so immediate, you know, you're on a deadline, you've got two hours to turn things over, you're out on a live shot, you know, everything's so quick, bang, bang, bang. So for me, when I was freshly in this job of media, walked out of the job of media, and then there was quiet time, I was so shocked, my body, my soul, everything was so in shock from that transition that I couldn't sit still and be okay with it. (laughs) And I think that was part of it because, like Carolyn May said to me in the book, um, author of Sacred Contracts, Anatomy of the Spirit, you know, she says, your job is to, to decide what and the universe will decide how. So if you're clear on what the what is, that you know is your calling or what feels right or all of those things, and you sit in the knowing of that what, and that's every day when you're driving in your car, just talking to yourself, thank you in advance for the opportunity that lets me tell stories that matter. You know, that's what I started chanting to myself. Yeah. And, you know, no matter what that platform would be, I would because I, I would call them my universe chant, and I was so specific with my order, I felt like I was – kind of leaving out certain possibilities. I would say thank you in advance for the positive news show that lets me tell stories on television that matter. You know, okay, so it had to be positive news, it had to be on television, and, you know, it, and it had to make me six figures. <laughs> yes. <laughs> those are my details, you know, those are my orders. But then when I changed it to thank you for letting me tell stories that, um, no, I think I said thank you for letting me tell stories that pays my bills but lets me have fun on the job. When I changed it a little bit to that, I, boy, within weeks, I think, I got a food show. I got to host a food show. Now, was that my destiny? No, I don't think it's, you know, I said in the book, I don't think it's my destiny to tell people how to saute these scallops. But it allowed me the flexibility, the income to do other things, to pay my bills, to have fun on the job. And so that was the step and that was the door I was supposed to walk into and so I did, but I think we get stuck in our heads of how it's supposed to look, when it's supposed to come, what it's supposed to be, and no, no, you just decide what, make it kind of broad, and then things will, you know, fall into place. And I, I validate that my own personal story. This is so it's so validating. We have so many uh, common, you know, interests and experiences. It's so exciting for me. Yeah. I was in 2002. I was in college, and I was um, in a biology major at that time, and I was really working on my core courses. And I remember one morning I was at Denny's. It was about you know, four in the morning, we had an exam that morning. So me and my study partner, we had gotten together to eat breakfast and then just really hit the books. Mm-hmm. And she was just this young, wise soul, like a, a very, very wise old soul, but maybe 19 or 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sitting there and I said, I just don't know how God wants me to make this change in my life. He has come to me in Mount Shasta in the most profound way that nothing in me can deny this new desire for something more for something bigger for something other than what I've been told to become Mm -hmm. I said but I have no idea how to start and I am just frustrated to pieces and she looked me straight in the eyes and she said your job is to say what and God will tell you how nice and I was like, you are so amazing. And I've written that quote in every 30, all 35 journals that I have. Mm-hmm. That is like my profound quote. 
that came from my very early baby days of my enlightenment and awareness yeah. to the truth of who I am. And it is such a powerful thing to realize I don't have to worry about how God and the universe are so amazing. They'll do that part for me. Yes, that's so, so yes. true. And that's yes. so hard for us as humans to embrace that all the time because we think we know where every source is. We know what every, you know, I, I said to my husband, we've got to hunker down here. Somebody's got to get health insurance because we're paying out of pocket for health insurance and the way our country's set up. Oh, that's a nice $600 a month out of my pocket for my husband, myself, and my son. And I said, this is costing us so much. It's just we've got to find another way. And then I was like, okay, wait a minute. We're calling it in. We're calling it in. For, for a few months now we've been calling it in. And I thought it was going to come from a contract with a certain radio station or with a television station. or you know, I just had it in my head that through media, one of us was going to get a contract in media that would provide that health insurance. And what ended up happening is I, uh, I do voiceover work here in Chicago, and I booked a voiceover commercial. So for one hour of work, <laughs> that was enough payment where that made me eligible for the insurance program. I mean, it was just, I thought I, for sure I knew exactly how it was going to happen. And by golly, if spirit didn't surprise me and make it something completely different, but it worked out. <laughs> and I tried. And it always does. Yeah. Divinely. Divinely. You just mm-hmm. left it into spirit's hands and there it came. Right. Exactly. But I had to get out of my mind and um, into my heart, and that's that's such yes. a hard, hard thing to do. Yes, it's really, um, I think that Louise Hay says, trust in the perfection of the loving universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just about really embracing that the universe is loving. Yes. And it does support us, and we just have to truly believe that we are supported, and then it comes. Right, and that's the other thing. I mean, I know with the secret and everything that's come out, when problem I sort of had with the secret was that it was just about, you know, hey, sit and think about getting all this stuff and you'll get stuff and everything will be great. And I know, of course, there was much more to the secret, but my problem with the DVD in particular was the first half an hour was all about, hey, look, you can think about this house, you'll get this house. Think about this car, you'll get that car. And That's not what it's about. I mean, one of the things in my book is, I mean, my dad had the house, the car, you know, all these things, and yet he was still seeking and it's not about the stuff it's about what's in your heart and the relationships you have and and who you touch while you're here so that when you do leave you leave them feeling whole in their hearts and and that's that's part of it manifesting your um if you want to manifest lots of wealth then fine maybe that can come too but that's not what's going to create all the happiness and joy in your heart yes that's a perk if you're living your truth that's right that can be a perk you know i always say that i'm like thank you for the for the um, for the wealth so that I can give back because that's really what it is about. It's, it's about being okay on your end, but then how much do you really need and what can you do with that to give back? So it, it, it does circle back. And, you know, you said something about manifesting and you had changed your manifestation to thank you, okay. thank you, and that you had created something within a matter of a week. And when, something that I was taught at um, the Berkeley Psychic Institute in San Francisco was gratitude and amusement are the two highest vibrations mm. that one human or any human can resonate in. And it seems as if throughout this book, stay tuned, Conversations with Dad from the Other Side, you have managed to incorporate both. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. So well, that is just so exciting <laughs> for you because you're a manifestation fireball. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? You know, it's so, so, uh, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with Reiki, with energy work called Reiki. Okay. Well, I I had had a chapter in the book about taking some Reiki classes, and I I, I wound up becoming a Reiki master. I was so fascinated with it. And I didn't use it for a while. And I think when you don't practice it, you kind of, it's like, you know, playing the piano or doing yoga. You can't just pick it up after three years and suddenly it's poof, it, you know, works like it always has. I mean, maybe it can, but I had just kind of been out of practice. And once I handed this book in and I started, you know, talking about it on a regular base, basis to people and I was getting feedback from other people who were touched by it. And um, I got this email from a girl who was 20 out in Massachusetts and she was like, look, this book helped me decide that I want to follow my truth, not what my you know family's telling me I need to do and be a lawyer like the rest of the family. Like I I have a specific truth and I'm going to follow it and I'm going to go here and do this. And 
these different emails have been touching me so much. I find that the Reiki is turning on. You talk about being a manifestation fireball. I will be sitting at my desk and my hands just get hot. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on? Cool. <laughs> hey, so who turned on the Reiki in my house? You know, I mean, it's yes. just really great. I, and I go, okay, maybe somebody's feeling gratitude right now. Maybe somebody's thankful. Maybe somebody's being touched by the journey. You know, whatever it is, I'm going, okay, we're all connected. So thanks for including me in the jolt. <laughs> so exciting it's so exciting so yeah. you acknowledge yourself as a healer and and you can offer that to other others or you can just use that to manifest for yourself it's such a divine gift and we all possess it it just takes us a matter of us opening our mind to it that's what i think is so interesting i mean i feel like reiki is going to be the next wave the next thing because when people realize first of all we all possess the ability to do it and the benefits, I mean, there are all these studies that are coming out now about the benefits of cancer treatments and that include Reiki and those who are going through, you know, the chemo, the radiation, but are also getting Reiki treatments are having such incredible results and feeling so much better and not having the effects of the nausea and all the uh, the ill effects of the chemo and the radiation. And I just feel like it's one of those things that, just like driving a car, you can, you know, go take a class and Go, go go home and you got the keys in your hand, really. Yes, yes. And just in case our audience is not aware, Reiki is like where you can pull in divine source energy through your crown chakra and it usually comes through your hands and often through your feet and it just creates a healing aura um, that emanates throughout your space. And it it's really like um, much like what Jesus did in his time to heal others, although he seemed to be this, thus far the most pure channel um, that's resonated on earth. We ourselves have that ability. Mm-hmm. And so Jennifer's discussing that ability and her interest in that. And you also mentioned in the book uh, as to your father, you know, turned to Reiki. To yeah, and uh, Qigong. Yeah, he was really, um, he found a great bit of peace. And this is a guy, you know, please. He was a sportscaster in Chicago who liked, you know, beef sandwiches. I mean, this is not a guy that you would picture going to get Reiki treatment or Qigong treatments. But, you know, when he was diagnosed with cancer, he went and looked at, you know, it's interesting, it used to be called alternative medicine, and now it's so well accepted, it's called complementary medicine. So um, the complementary medicine at Cedar sinai where he went to go get his second uh, operation for his brain tumor, they, you know, there was a lot of things that were offered in this Qigong treatments. He would go to this guy, we found a guy back here in Chicago who did it, and he just swore by him. He would leave there so peaceful and so completely just, I mean, in Zen mode. It was unbelievable to watch him transform like that. And that's kind of where I was thinking. I didn't take these Reiki classes. You know, I was getting a massage and I saw a poster, hey, want to take a Reiki class? And I was like, what the heck is Reiki? And then, you know, the massage therapist started talking to me about it and he said, you know, if it's just healing by touch and you you don't have to touch and you put your hands in certain positions and you have symbols that you work with and it's real easy and anybody can do it. And I just thought, okay, that's two things I like to hear. Real easy and anybody can do it. <laughs> yes, very inspiring. Yeah, Good. but my Good. one friend um, that I met in the book, I talk about her, Therese Rowley. She's this yes. CEO consultant by day and medium and energy healer by, you know, other day. And since she was sick, she could see energy, see spirits, all these things, and she went to her mother. She's one of 11 kids, big Catholic family in Chicago. And she went to her mother and told her about it, and her mother was just like, okay, well, you know, it was just not something you bring up at the Thanksgiving table when you're, you know, a Catholic in Chicago. So she yes, kind of... I understand. Yeah, she kind of <laughs> kept it to herself for many years, and then in her... But she knew it was special. She knew it was a gift, but at the same time didn't really know what to do with it. And when she was in her 20s, she met a priest that told her it was a gift and not to be afraid of it and embrace it. And that kind of took her to the next level. And I went to go meet her, again, not giving her my last name, because a lot of these people I met with, I didn't, I wanted it to be uh, where they couldn't do a Google search on me and come and bring me any information, because I wanted it to be a real genuine encounter without them being able to find out any extra information, you know. Sure, sure. as a still being skeptic, the skeptic, skeptic, right, still being the journalist, I wanted it to be as pure of an encounter as possible. So Therese said to me when I met her, she said, we are all intuitive, but it's like playing the piano. Some people are Mozart and some people just do the chopsticks, but everybody can do it. 
And I thought, you know what, that's kind of like what it is with Reiki. It's like Reiki, intuition, all these things. We are are born with these gifts and we grow up and, and a rattling of our daily grind gets in the way and we forget what we're capable of. And if we could just remember that every once in a while, that our instincts are there for our highest good, that we'll really, really um, be able to benefit from that, and that's a wonderful thing. Yes, and, you know, I relate to Teresa, the the psychic reader in your book, because I'm also an energy healer and reader, and I used this gift throughout my years of college, and I didn't understand it, but I was in molecular cellular biology, and I'd work with the DNA in the lab, and I could see the DNA and the helixes. Mm. And I could see the cells, and I thought, okay, now that's really cool. I bet you everybody can do that. So I never mentioned it, and I was raised in a Catholic family. My mom works at the Catholic Church. My grandmother works at the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't something I was going to go home and ask them about. Mm-hmm. So I, I then transferred into social psychology. I just added that major, and I started working with people in the community, and I, I just realized that I would have all these ideas and then they would end up just being exactly what my professor would need in the research group that day. Oh, or yeah. it would be, you know, exactly that element that needed for the board to pass us to get to the next level of our, of our um, grant and, and the research. And, and I just was like, okay, there's something here, but I don't really quite know. There were just a lot of synchronicities. Yeah. And so it was really neat. And so then I was accepted into a Ph.D. program in the Bay Area. I was going to pursue clinical psychology. It just seemed right because I had this ability to really read people and mm-hmm. meet their needs. And then I decided, you know, I think I'm going to study energy because there's something about me that I can read people when, when I meet them. It's as if they show me a script of their life and they show me their purpose mm. and they show me why they're here and they want me to tell them that. Wow. And I know things about them that they would never want me to know uh, in in a public space where we would communicate that around others. It was yeah. usually very personal information. So I really had to pursue that, and I got some, you know, asked spirit. They gave me books, and then I said, okay, books are great, but now I need people. I need some further validation. Mm-hmm. And I was introduced to Asclepion in Marin County in San Francisco, and, you know, they just taught me the tools to really learn how to manage my space and how to be healthy and read others and really have ethics in that reading space. And what is okay, that? I don't even know. I've never even heard of of what you just mentioned. Asclepion, you said? Asclepion. It's a subdivision of Berkeley Psychic Institute. Lewis, okay. the founder of that institute, he and another gentleman went over and they decided to take the theory and put it into practice. Nice. So, so yeah, so they set up this institute really to pro- uh, focus on practicing and having the students doing the readings to, for the public and for the community and really trying to help people find the truth of who they are, aside from all the other energies and, like you had mentioned, like program from families about what you want to be or what you want to do or, mm-hmm. you know, other influences in your space or in our space. And yeah. So for me, this was just so phenomenal to be able to take that and find the authentic me. Yeah. And now I am so, so full of gratitude to be able to then turn around and offer this gift to others through my readings and my spiritual coaching and counseling and give them the gift of who they are. And it's just like, this is so amazing. It's so miraculous for me. And then I read your book and I see that there's somebody else who can do this and how it's transformed your life. And I thought, I I just can't wait to talk her on the air. I can't wait to just promote this. This is so exciting. Oh, you're so sweet. Now I can't wait to call you for a reading, my dear. Oh, how fun. <laughs> Let's do it. We'll make it happen. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So how was it for you watching your dad go through the process of shifting from a skeptic into really believing that there's more than meets the eye? You know, I... Like I, I was just amazed by it, but I think that that really does happen when people are faced with death. And I just remember him at one point, you know, lying in the bed, going, "I don't want to die," because he was so afraid of what death was and not knowing what's next and what's on the other side. And 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 it was just I couldn't even wrap my head around it because when he was diagnosed with his brain tumor, we all thought he beat it because he went in, had an operation, they took out the tumor, and, and my dad was like, okay, that was that was scary, but oof, we dodged a bullet there. And he went back to work two weeks later like nothing had happened, and it was this big, you know, storm of media coverage in Chicago, and he said he felt like George Bailey because he got to see all these people, and it was like he got to talk to every single person that was important to him and 
see what they felt about him. And so that was a great gift for him. But then come November, he was, you know, trying to read. I was watching the news and I could see him not looking at the right camera, which meant he couldn't see the director to get his cues, which meant something was terribly wrong. And I raced down to the studio to see what was going on, and he, you know, grabbed my arm and was scared and said, "I can't, I can't read. Something's wrong." And our worst fear had come true. His tumor was back. It was aggressively moving. It was just kind of a matter of time. And it was like, <laughs> "What do you mean it's a matter of time?" So um, to then just get—it's like you put your game face on, and you don't really realize what's happening until it's all over. And that's sort of what happened. I remember. Two weeks before he passed, he had gotten to the point where he was just in bed. We had hospice there. He couldn't walk. He couldn't move. He couldn't really even get up to go to the bathroom. His body was slowly going. And this was a guy who played every sport. He played football in college, and he was Mr. Athlete. And to see him not even be able to walk to the bathroom was just, it was heartbreaking. And you never want to see someone you love go through that. And so that's when I was thinking, there's got to be more. You know, when the body, you know, is gone and the spirit moves on, there has to be more than this. And I and I had remembered a couple of interviews with people like James Van Prague, who um, had a show for a while, wrote a lot of books, Talking to Heaven, Reaching to Heaven. And um, I I had interviewed him long before my dad was even sick. And I thought, boy, if I I could get a hold of him now, you know. So that was something else. I really wanted to find James Van Prague. Okay. And, um, and I go all over the place to try to track him down, and so I could try to get him to find my dad on the other side and let me know that he was okay, because I just wanted to know he was okay, but. You know, it was there would be these moments of clarity after a few days of of awfulness, but he would communicate these wonderful truths. And uh, like one day after Qigong, and we were sitting in the car, and he said, "You know, honey, I can't read or write or play the piano or do any of the things I used to love to do, but it doesn't matter because I can still love. All that matters is love." And it was just so he was so in a zone of just complete peace and acceptance of what was going on. Yeah, he was in his higher essence. Totally, and it was, you know, and I was just like, oh, it's it's not okay. You know, I was just weeping and driving the car. Like, how can he think it's okay? This this is so sad. He's lost his mind. It's not okay. And that was, of course, my human side, you know, wanting more of him and not wanting him to go away. And but but still, I was in my game face. Still, okay, we're gonna do what we can and. And then you have the horrible, horrible task of all of his friends and family that want to say goodbye when he was, you know, in bed as we were waiting for him to pass away. So then you become a, you know, a guard at the door, and it's awful. Yeah. You become a bouncer for your dad's house, you know, of, of people, and you, you know that he wouldn't want certain people to see him in a bad situation or, you know. Sure, and sure. So that becomes awful. And then, and then when he's gone, it's like, wait a minute, we barely even took our breath, and it was, it was like it all happened so fast, even though it was over months. And then it's like the hardest part of my dad passing away was a couple months afterwards when we all kind of looked around and went, what happened? Where's dad? Because you are so in that zone of just protection and caring and, you know, going from doctor to doctor and appointment after appointment and diagnosis after diagnosis. And then all of a sudden there's just this silence and it was just, just awful. But I tried to remember those moments of clarity that he gave to me that I really, until many months after he passed away and I I kept a journal during that time and it was when I took out that journal and started writing that chapter for the book that I didn't really remember as much and then it all just came pouring out of me like a pitcher of water it was it was incredible how fast that chapter came to me and I was like oh wow that's what happened that's right you know you just kind of shut things on and off so for your own sanity you can get through the day yes Yes, you have to sometimes push information to the back until there's the right moment to really digest it. Right, and so so yeah, it was it was awful to watch somebody I love, but then boy, right on the heels of my dad's passing away, my mother-in-law gets diagnosed with cancer, so my husband has to get into that mode, and we you know it's like we've just been married for like a year, everything was great, then my dad gets sick, we go through that, then his mom gets sick, we go through that, and it was sort of like you know five years of watching you know two our, our parents die, we kind of went okay. Can we go to the Bahamas now and just lay on a beach for a few days? <laughs> uh, yes, yes. I need a vacation. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, and but through the process, it's like you've gained you. You've you've went on a search for self identity, and mm-hmm. there have been some circumstances in your life, like your father's 
illness and passing, but it seems as if you've just really turned that into such a positive light for yourself. And you really like you've, you've, I mean, you've put this book out, stay tuned conversations with that from the other side, you're offering others an example of how to illuminate themselves through the trials and through the journey of finding the truth of who you are versus following the programs that have been presented throughout one's life. And so, I mean, I commend you. It's just an amazing piece of work that you have here. And I think it's a tool for healing that can relate to just so many different audiences. If you've ever lost a loved one, if you've ever had some career experiences where you can't find your niche or, or really stick into one career, you know, if you're on a spiritual path and you're really searching for for that spiritual essence of who you are, if you're in any one of those three categories, this book, you'll relate to it and many other aspects of the self and human life. So this here is such an amazing, amazing piece of art. And I'd like our listeners to know that they can find Jen's website at www.staytunedwithjen.com. You can order the book on her website. Again, that's www.staytunedwithjen.com. You can also find some awesome reviews, all five-star reviews, on Amazon.com. And if you don't have access to the web, you can call Hampton Roads Publishing Company. They have published this book, Stay Tuned, Conversations with Dad from the Other Side, by Jennifer Weigel. And you can reach them at 1-800-766-8009. So, Jennifer, you've created a scholarship in honor of your father, to raise money for broadcast journalism students in financial need. Tell me what inspired you to do this. You know, my my dad went to uh, Yale, actually. He was a history major in college, and he wanted to teach. um, He actually taught the third grade um, kids from the projects outside of New Haven in the public schools when he graduated. That's what he was doing, and he had a rock band. (laughs) It was just weird how he wound up in, in sportscasting, but... He was a journalist, so he got his first job um, after he was a teacher was um, was writing for uh, a newspaper in New Haven, the New Haven Register. But before that, he was a teacher, and he was always – my dad always had a soft spot for people that wanted to, to do things, but they couldn't financially afford it. So actually, my mom and my dad wound up taking in a lot of the students that didn't find a purpose at home, didn't like going home, were too scared to go home. So – his whole adult life, even then when he came to Chicago and uh, became a sportscaster, he was always giving back. He had this um, real soft spot for, a, 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 it was a off the street club it's called, a charity here in Chicago, and he always did stuff for them. So my dad gave back so much, even when he was just 22 years old. I thought, you know what, we should do that as well. And there are a lot of people out there that probably want to study journalism but just can't afford it. So about five years ago, I stepmom and I, we got together and we talked about it and they said, that'll be a good idea. Let's do it. And so we teamed up with um, Northwestern, the Medill School of Journalism, because there are a lot of kids there that have so many scholarships and they have so much debt because it costs so much to go to college. And so we have had a uh, dinner every year and we've had Bob Costas and Greg Gumbel and a bunch of guys, you know, come back and speak at it. And it's, it's been wonderful. We've, we've given out two scholarships and we're trying to raise more money now. We want to raise more money so that we can give more to one rather than just giving a little to many, you know. Yes. It's yes. really been oh, nice. That's great. That's yeah. great. So you're going to go ahead and donate a portion of the sales from the book, Stay Tuned, A Conversations with Dad from the Other Side, and contrib- contribute that to the Tim Weigel Scholarship Fund. Yes, and we hope that if we get enough from the sales that we can have um, like two you know, events a year instead of just one. Right now we usually do one event in November, and instead we want to try to do a, maybe a golf outing in the summer and then another event in the winter. So that's that's the goal. And, you know, like you said, we're mani- manifesting, let's bring it on. So we're going to hope that enough listeners are out there where that we can uh, make that a reality. And I just know that the pieces will all fall into place, and it's an excuse yeah. for a lot of people with a similar passion to – get together, honor the memory of, of you know, my dad, and then also give somebody else some hope who might want to get into the journalism world themselves but just don't have the funds to do it. Yes, and you know what I see for you as my little clairvoyant self? I'm seeing that if you can gather the all of the resources that you have, including your book and 
Betty Young and many other of the spiritual people that you know, if you can get their books autographed, you can have an amazing silent auction mm. and, and raise a lot of money by doing signed books. Oh, what a wonderful idea. Honor. Yes, because what a better way to represent journalism than through literature. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, in fact, we're already starting so to plan. <laughs> You're so great. Those nasties at all. Um, but yeah, we're already starting to plan next winter's uh, next winter's dinner. So I'm gonna have to call everybody. Maybe by then your book will be out so that we can include it. Yes, and I would love for that to be included. What an honor! Oh, fantastic! What is your book, by the way, or can you not share it yet? You know, I'm in, it's in motion right now. I'm writing my story. Okay, good. So it's 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 very very exciting. I can't wait for it to come out. I on the first um, Evolution Revolution, I I mentioned it's in motion and it will be out in its time. And good. I'm challenged. So. Oh, that's wonderful. That's well, you know, Betty Young's is wonderful too because um. I, I spoke at a conference called 101 Powerful Women and a Few Good Men that she puts together every year, and it's a wonderful organization, and it was in San Diego in October this year. And I came out for that, and I had done a couple of interviews with uh, Good Day San Diego and some things in the days leading up to the conference. And um, I, I thought I was going to be talking for about 20 minutes, but as the day progressed, everybody went a little long, so everybody's time was cut back, and I think what I wound up talking was maybe three minutes. Oh wow. Yeah, so when I got up to talk, I was I was, you know, I was rushing through it. I don't even remember what I said. I'm like thinking to myself, my gosh, I came all the way from Chicago. I'm getting maybe 3 minutes and now I'm just blurting out words that aren't making any sense. This is leaving a terrible impression, I'm sure with the crowd. This stinks. You know, my whole ego is getting involved. Blah blah blah. I'm like beating myself up in my head. So I get off the podium and I go and I run to the bathroom to just I just wanted to sulk by myself. And I hear as I'm sitting in the stall is that Jennifer Weigel in that stall? <laughs> I couldn't even like sit here quietly and sulk by myself. So I come out and there's a woman standing there and she says, I just wanted you to know I came here to meet you. And I said, excuse me? I'm from Chicago. What are you talking about? And she said, no, I saw you on Inside San Diego. And I was, I just, I was so moved by what you said. And I thought, I have to read that book and I want to meet that woman. So I never come to these things, but I just wanted you to know that you're the reason I'm here. And it just warmed my whole body. I, you know, I just gave her the biggest hug. I said, I can't tell you how great that is because that's what it's about. It's not about whether I sold 40 books and talked for 20 minutes. It's about reaching one person. And so yeah. I only talked for three minutes, but I talked plenty more on Inside San Diego the other day. And that's what drew her there. I got to meet her. It was just a wonderful lesson to me that I think I know what I'm doing. And then when my ego gets involved... I just don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and then it's always so amazing to see the universal grace. It's like you are being hard on yourself. You are mm-hmm. being hard on the situation at hand, thinking right. that three minutes wasn't maybe enough to represent the truth of what you had hoped to, you know, represent. Right. And then here comes spirit validating you. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was like my dad was going, oh, stop, stop beating yourself up. This is ridiculous. Yes. Come on. Yes. All right, I better send an angel to the bathroom. Stat. You know, Wait. and there she was. <laughs> <laughs> That's really great. It's really great. So there is a video on your website. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's on the video section. It's called Stay Tuned Conversations with Dad from the Other Side, parallel to the title of the book. Mm-hmm. And you can receive a synopsis and overview of of this media adventure that Jennifer's undertaken here in writing this wonderful inspirational story covering forgiveness, awareness, and awakening. So please check out her video on her website. And, you know, additionally, Jennifer is a media coach. So if you're an author going on a media tour, consider contacting Jennifer to help you be the most memorable guest ever on any radio or television station. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> yes, yes. So if, if that feels great for you, feel free to give Jennifer a call. She'd love to give you a hand and guide you if that's what spirit has in alignment for you, too. Well, it's going to be a really interesting journey watching you take off and do all of the wonderful things that you continue to do as you walk through these open doors. And I can't tell you how neat it is to be talking to you when I just was forwarded your email from our mutual friend, Betty Youngs. And it's one of those things when you follow through with an instinct and it works out. And I I know that the next time I'm in the area near where you are, I am going to be knocking down your door and hoping that we can go grab some tea and uh, look at the ocean and, and just kind of breathe in the air together. 
<laughs> yes, it sounds wonderful, and it's just it's such an honor to have you here. It's just definitely a divine alignment, and there's so much validation, and it just really reminds us how connected we truly are as human beings. And I think so often, as you know, in the news world, we focus on our separations, yeah. on our divisions, mm-hmm. and the fear. And here we are, a reminder of the connection, of the light, and of the love, and it's such a beautiful thing. <laughs> it is, and you know, we don't call on it enough. I know that sounds a little cheesy, but just as an example, the other day I had forgotten completely about this interview. I guess the time had changed a bunch of times, and it was on a Saturday afternoon, and um, you know, my uh, publicist had, had sent me the information, but I guess because it had been changed, I didn't write it down. So my husband says, can I go run some errands? And I said, sure. Now, I've got an 18-month-old son, okay? He's very active, very loud, you know, likes to, um, loud in the sense that he's talking sort of in his own little language, but he's sure. starting to form words <laughs> and needs your constant attention. So the phone rings, and I look down at the phone, and I see that it's this radio station, and it hits me. <gasps> I had an interview, <gasps> and, I, and I'm thinking, <gasps> My husband's gone and nobody's here to watch my son. What am I going to do? And I panicked, panicked, panicked. And so I picked up the phone and the woman said, okay, Jennifer, we're going to go on the air here in about a minute and a half. We'll have, you know, this, this. and I was like, my heart started racing. I thought I was going to throw up. It was just this awful moment. So I started, I, I briefly debated hanging up, just hanging up the phone and being like, whoops, bad connection. <laughs> and then I started to talk to my dad, my angels, whatever you want to call it, I was like, look, I need your help. I need somebody to be with my son, entertain my son for the next 20 minutes. I've got to be focused. I messed up here. I'm really feeling bad about it, but just surround me, support me. I need your help, and I'm very grateful for all the help that you bring the next 20 minutes so I can get through this interview and do the best that I can and help me focus. And by gosh, if my son wasn't just the sweetest little dream, for 24 minutes, he sat by the coffee table, played with his car and his truck in the Aww. most sweet way. I can't, I mean, I don't know what kind of angel posse came down and helped out. I see out. angels all around him. I see three of them particularly that interacted with him Aww. to keep him in his space. And they were his spirit guides, his angels, as he knows them. <laughs> mm, that's exactly what, I mean, I knew it was very you divine. Felt it. Yeah, I, I was so glad that they showed up. And, and I just think that, that we all have our own little posse every once in a while. We do. You know, or all the time, but we just we have to remember to call on them and, yes. and, and ask for their help because I don't know that they can just interfere without our request. They can't. Yeah. They can't. There's free will. Yeah. And so the angels ask me, one of the things they ask me to teach people is, that the angels, the archangels, and the ascended masters, who would be like Jesus, Buddha, Yogananda, Mm -hmm. Muhammad, they will come when you ask. So the first element is to ask for their presence, and the second is to be willing to receive, which you demonstrated by trusting and not hanging up. (laughs) (laughs) That was the first step, (laughs) not hanging up, right. Yes, yes. So, you know, receiving is a big part of it, and you did, you're did. you a great example of how to receive even when you have no idea how to receive. <laughs> and that's exactly right because I thought I had to control it, and at first I said, get home, Clay, get home to my husband. I was trying to telepathically call him home, like you forgot your ID, you forgot your, your key, you forgot the, your money, you forgot your wallet. You know, I was uh, trying to will him back, and when that wasn't happening, <laughs> then... <laughs> I surrendered and said, okay, plan I can, B. yeah, plan B is you've got a better plan. I'm going to listen to what that plan is. Thank you for that plan. And I really need your help, whatever form it comes in. Thank you. Thank you. And like you say, the gratitude piece, it's the receiving it. It's the gratitude for receiving it and all those things. You know, I wasn't raised particularly religious. It was sort of whatever, whoever my dad was married to at the time, we went to church. I see. <laughs> and so, you know, it was, Usually in the Christian variety, but, you know, it wasn't sure. like we were not like my friend Therese, who was, you know, at church every Sunday with her Catholic family. It was um, just sort of mostly Easter and Christmas Eve. Um, so, but, but I definitely believe, I know there's a greater force. I know there's something working for our greater good. And, and so when you can tap into that um, and then see the results from it, it's just a really nice thing. It's very miraculous, isn't mm-hmm. it? <laughs> yeah, it really, really is. Well, great. So I'd like to let the audience know that if they're in the Chicago area, you will be appearing at Beck's Books for a book signing 
on Thursday, December 13th at 7 p.m. Central Time, Mm -hmm. and that's located at 116 Main Street in Park Ridge, Illinois. You can find out more information on her website. Again, that was www.staytunedwithjen.com. Please pick up a, a copy of her latest book, Stay Tuned, Conversations with Dad from the Other Side. Pick up a copy for a friend as well. It's one of the most inspirational stories I've read, and it really depicts the shift in humanity and what this show represents, the evolution, revolution, truly evolving into the higher sense of who you are and overcoming materiality and realizing that, yes, we live in a material world, but we are spiritual beings experiencing this essence to discover a greater sense of who we are. Oh, my gosh, that's so great. Yes, I just got the chills because you're, you're right on. Yay! What does that mean? You know, you you see things. When people get chills, is that, the pre- is that some presence of it's, something it's, greater? It's a validation from your spirit, and there, can, there could be angels or other higher beings that are around there. But really, I teach people that, you know, you're your own best teacher, master, and healer. So I see it as your spirit's going, yes! She received. Because <laughs> when I will tell people certain stories about the book before they've read it, I'll I'll say a mention, you know, a certain encounter, and a lot of times people will say to me, "Oh my goodness, I just got chills," and yes. I always wondered what that meant, like that they were the just validation, oh, validation nice. that spirit is present. It's a spiritual validation, is how I see it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay, so <laughs> when we is, all love, yes, <laughs> we love that. I want to know, Dulcinea, when's your handbook going to be available so I can take it with me in the car and just know I've got my little validations. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. I'm working on it. We'll get that out sooner than later here. Good, good, good. Good. So I'm going to let everybody know. Please check out Jen's website. Please read her couple of articles. There's one from Chicago Sun-Times. There's also one from Chicago Magazine there about the latest book. Stay tuned. Conversations with Dad from the Other Side. You can pick it up on her website at Amazon.com or you can contact the publisher, Hampton Rose. And get it from them directly if you're not um, don't have web access at this time. I'd like to thank you so kindly for coming on this evening, Jennifer. You've been an honor, and you're an amazing inspiration to myself and to many. And I look forward to seeing what your next creation will be, and to just really see you succeed in sharing your story and showing others through this book that they can be all that they are if they follow their heart and walk the path of their true higher self. Well, you're already an example of that, and I applaud you for what you're doing, and it it seems like you've been doing this for forever, Dulcinea, so thank you for all your kind words and for your support. It means so much. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that humbly. And keep me posted on everything that you're doing as well. I already have a few chapters cranked out for the next book, which is called Tuned In, Conversations with Myself from This Side. (laughs) Nice. Well, I look forward to receiving that. We'll have to get a little idea of that on the website and share that with us when you're ready. (laughs) Yeah. It's still coming, just like yours. I don't want to rush divine timing, but we'll just kind of take the next uh, steps and just trust that everything's happening for a reason. Yes, yes. Well, great, great. Great. So keep me posted, and thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Jennifer. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. So please visit Evolution Revolution's homepage and explore the archive shows with creative Paula Marie Jackson, passionate Taylor Wilshire, and powerful Betty Young. The broadcasts are available for free, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Tell your friends. It's a free resource of wisdom, inspiration, and possibilities. I am offering a special discount for the holidays, intuitive, clairvoyant, and clairaudient readings to the first 20 people who contact me. Intuitive readings make a great gift for friends and family. They can be anywhere in the world. Spirit is not in time and space, so phone readings are an optimal idea. Please email me for more information at lightforall at gmail.com. Again, that's light, L-I-G-H-T, F-O-R-A-L-L at gmail.com. Or you can find my number and another email on the homepage of Evolution Revolution. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution this evening with me and my honored guest, Jennifer Weigall. We appreciate you enjoying this experience. 
And for up, exciting upcoming guests, on Thursday, December 13th, I'll have Dr. Lisa Love with her new book release, Beyond the Secret. She'll share some of her powerful wisdom on manifesting and introduce her 90-day coaching program to practically apply and create a result of your heart's desires. On Thursday, December 20th, I'll have Dr. Carol Jean Murat introducing her latest release, Is It My Hormones or Is It Something Else? an established medical professional offering valuable insight into women and their physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual self. She offers powerful healing information. And on Thursday, December 27th, I'll have Megan Skinner, a clairvoyant author, spiritual teacher, and healer on the show to share her gifts, and we can talk about what we experience as clairvoyance, and also to discuss her upcoming book release, The Complete Idiot's Guide to Sextrology, a fun, exciting topic. So again, thank you for joining Evolution Revolution. Happy holidays. Go enjoy, love, peace, and gratitude, and I look forward to, to join, you joining me next week. Angel blessings. Good night. <laughs> 